So, expose today. Oh my goodness gracious. We are talking about Proteus. Kevin McTaggart! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has, he's also known as Mutant X, which, by the way, is linking it to Charmed, was a TV show that had Victor Webster on it, who had electrical mm-hmm. powers. But besides the fact, cool. Um, he is a human mutant. Not an alien mutant, a human mutant. A and... human mutant. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a weird phrase. I didn't think we're hit here, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, he first appeared in the Uncanny X-Men number 125 in September 1979, created by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, and he has the ability of reality warping, body possession, and psionic energy composition. Insanity. Insanity. He's so overpowered. Way OP. He is Wyatt. Yeah, that <laughs> is. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny because um, when this came out, it was interesting that such an OP mutant was born to two flat scanned Moira and Joe McTaggart. Right. But then it came out later that Moira is also a mutant, so it's not so weird anymore. Not so weird anymore. Secret mutation. Secret mutation. More on that next week, though. (laughs) (laughs) I go where I want to go. Gene. Scott. Gene. Welcome to this week's Solving for X. My name is Sean. I'm the ultimate excavationist. And I'm something of an X fan myself. Kevin! Kevin! (laughs) 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 Boy, oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, this episode and next episode. Lots of (laughs) Kevins! So, if you can't tell, we are going over the Proteus episodes of Solving for X, part one this week, part two next week. But before we get into it, we had a little previously on last week. Kevin! (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Our question was, what era would you visit in a time machine? I remember we both said the 70s because we wanted to stay away from the whole HIV crisis, the like hating on the gay community so we're like love the 80s love the movies love the music but there's a lot of anti-gay shit going on then (laughs) and 70s are groovy enough like i can enjoy myself yeah 70s are like the 80s junior (laughs) yeah so uh let's see how this turned out so the 50s very popular got zero percent nobody wants to go back to the 50s (laughs) no no (laughs) Uh, the 60s got 14%, so a little bit better. Uh, the 70s got 29%. 
But leading the pack, everybody wants to go to those 80s with 57% of the votes. Ooh, back to the 80s. Hey there, Mr. T. To twist his sister's and TV. See, now you brought the aqua back. Oh, okay. I did. I did. <laughs> I just listened to that the other day. I, I've been listening to them a lot because, I don't know, a certain concert. <laughs> There's no reason. There's no reason. There's no reason. No reason. <laughs> so, um, like you said, so the Proteus episodes, they heavily adapt what started in Uncanny X-Men number 125 in September of 1979. This was, I believe it was four parts altogether. Um, but was what was really cool about kind of, I, I would attribute this more to Chris Claremont, is this was like, heavily teased like all the way back in x-men 104 was the first time we got a shot of the door that just said mutant x so we're like what the fuck is mutant x so we had to wait all the way until uh x-men 119 we technically get another proteus tease 15 comics later which if you imagine a comic was coming out once a month, so this was over a year later after showing the mutant next door, we get uh, Kevin um, uh, possessing the same kind of pirate-looking guy that he does in the show, and then not until X Men One Twenty Five do we actually see him and learn who he is and what's going on. So this was a big tease. This was a big event. Big tease. Yeah, and sorry, there, there's, there's above us. I don't know why I can hear everything, and their Alexis was going, or Alexa was going, and I was like, I can't concentrate. Why am I just hearing their Alexa? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, so lots of information for you today. Let's get into scene one. And oh wait, I didn't say when this came out. <laughs> See the Alexa oh, really threw me tell off. Tell me, yeah. <laughs> This aired uh, September 30th, 1995, written by Bruce Reed Schaefer, directed by Larry Houston. Okay. 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 Let's do it. Scene one. Scene one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. We know we're on your island because bagpipes, you know, typical. (laughs) Uh, We pan across a resting moor. Really? I didn't. I missed that. Oh, you did? Yeah, he's like laying in a bed with stuff hooked up to his head. Oh, that's right, because they probably took him there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, deep below in the facility, we see a door locked and guarded by lasers. The door lasers. reads... Yeah. Fire the laser! <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> the door reads, no admittance, mutant X. Moira and Banshee are seen conducting experiments on an orangish blob. Mara cries. She knows it hurts him, but it's for the better good to bring her son, Gavin, out into society. Gavin is able to take human form, but it only lasts a moment before Gavin breaks free of his cell and reverts to his Proteus form. He refuses to go back into a cell and inhabits Banshee. So I feel like, I feel like I'm going to hate you by the end of this with all these Kevins. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering, like, why does he have this weird goblin body? Is that part of his powers, too? He just can't keep the shape? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to remember now why he takes on the body. I think it is part of his power. I think it was something with the fact that, like, he's so powerful, he has problems even holding himself together. Mm. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, it says here he exists in a state of pure psionic energy. So that is part of his power. Gotcha. So he has a human <laughs> form, but it's hard for him to retain it. Yeah, because his molecule was probably always kind of moving around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he's um I don't this I think the storyline is so amazing because much like we see a lot in Charmed, we're getting the story about a mutant, but it's something that can very easily um transcend the story. Cause really yeah. what it's about is about a teenage son with a disability and a mom who's too afraid to let him out into the world for fear that he'll hurt himself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. All right. And now, Kevin, possessed Banshee, has glowing green eyes and is approached by Moira. She pleads with him to let Banshee go. Kevin does, but then he advances on Moira. He uses his power to spin her world right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, right round. <laughs> Kevin always gets me. <laughs> <laughs> so a major difference, and of course I know why the show did this, but in the comic, if Kevin possesses you, you're not coming back. You're left this empty, dead husk that's all like gray and your skin's all like wrinkly and gross. Like you don't survive Kevin inhabiting your body. I mean, it makes sense if he's like this chaotic ball of energy, it would fry somebody. But I'm like, oh, this is like with that Fitzroy thing, too. What's with all the death in the comic books? (laughs) Yeah, there is. This is dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We did just talk about Fitzroy last week. Yeah. Which, um, actually, I was going to say this to later, but I'll just bring it up now. The comic heavily adapt something we've already kind of seen in the show. This actually takes place in between Jean becoming the Phoenix and her becoming the dark Phoenix. So she's got her Phoenix powers and it starts with her working with Moira to control her powers. And she's slowly like, but I kind of like feeling the power. So we're kind of getting her like transitioning into dark Phoenix. So it's, it's very much like that episode where we saw them doing the experiments on Jean with like the glasses over her. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what was going on with Jean in this sure. era. <laughs> so she has she has like a whole bevy of mutants in her laboratory just chilling out in kind of experimental prisons. Bye. Yeah. In the late seventies and kind of to the mid eighties, another person who was always in her lab was you're gonna love this. Jamie Madrix, the multiple man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another More on him later. connection. Another charm connection. <laughs> yeah. Because what's his face? Jason Dean. Eric Dane played him in the movie. You're right. Yes. Ta-da. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the manor, Charles suddenly gets a distress call from Moira. She begs for his help. Xavier frets and immediately has a beast prepare the blackbird. The apparently very shallow pool moves out of the way, and the X-Men take off on the blackbird. Rogue muses over the Moira tape as they tear through the air. Rogue feels Moira saw something terrifying. 
Wolverine tells her to shut up. It's no big. Professor X turns it <laughs> turns it into a learning moment. Well, class, <laughs> well, class, <laughs> <Stay> close, everyone. <laughs> Did everybody bring their snacks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Professor X. Oh, I love this scene. Professor X is thrown into a reverie of twenty years ago when he was dating Moira. He was in the army, and Moira still had some fashion sense. I hate her purple outfit in the present, but in the past, she she can dress. <laughs> yeah. Xavier gives her a ring, but doesn't really propose. Moira says yes. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, thanks. Did, Shiny. <laughs> did he did he use his power on her? Do you think? Did he force maybe. her to say yes? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he proposed in her brain. Instead of saying that out loud. Yeah, maybe. We'll go with that. That's less dark. Yeah. (laughs) We fast forward a bit to see Xavier on the battlefront. In his tent, he opens an envelope to find the engagement ring. Moira has written that she left him for someone else. What a bitch. (laughs) Joseph McTaggart. (laughs) Like, she wrote a letter to him. (laughs) But I fell in love with someone else. Yeah. But, like, I can't hate her too much because (laughs) Professor X is at war. Like, she can't help that she met someone while he's away, but it still sucks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We go a little further in the future to see an injured Xavier being assisted by a nurse. Kevin! I know that lady. We saw her before. That's our first cameo. It's Nurse Amelia Vaught. which this continuity i love it i love continuity yeah it it shows like the whole life he's like i after moira left me i met you and you moved in and we were gonna live together but then you didn't like that i had x-men so you moved out and joined other people in space and okay fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it i'm sure it probably was the exact same like animation from when we got that backstory before so yeah it yeah (laughs) Yeah, but it's still cool to be able to place that in the timeline and see sure. how everything went down for Xavier. <laughs> so the her- nurse helps mend Xavier. Meanwhile, Joseph leaves Moira, still in the same dress, by the way, as when she was with Charles, and their son <laughs> Kevin. We get a quick rehash of Amelia and Xavier splitting as the X Men train, and we end on Moira introducing Sean as her fiance in the Phoenix Saga. Look, we got Kevin and Sean in this episode together. Kevin, that's true. We do. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Amazing. So I did note here because it fills me with anger, but I know I bring it up every time. The, the angel conundrum. <laughs> We're back on the angel conundrum. <laughs> but um, one other key major difference between the show and the comic is. Joe doesn't want to get a divorce from Moira because he's like, divorces look bad for politicians. So you're going to stay married to me and you're going to like it, bitch. And Moira's like, I don't want to be married to you, though. And then um, Joe doesn't know he has a son. Moira never told him. Oh. Yeah. Joe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the present, the Blackbird is arriving at Muir Island. Beast lands the jet, and the X-Men team up with Moira. 
she shows them battling Proteus on a security tape. As the room spins in the tape, Mora explains that Kevin's power to manipulate the very world around them. He's like, he can make it go crazy. But you notice, (laughs) once it leaves, it goes back to normal. But if you get hurt in the process, too bad, so sad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wolverine doesn't care again. Xavier sends the team to the Blackbird to search out Kevin while he stays to speak to Moira. Xavier comforts Moira before asking about Joe. He's a politician now. Moira shows Charles a tape of Joe's speech on TV. <laughs> Did you say a tape as in a VHS tape? A 90s VHS. moment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Beautiful. You've got mail. 90s moments. Beautiful. So yeah, this was a literal like VHS tape. Although it said something weird. It said like VTS player or something. I was like, I don't know VTS. I know VHS. Do you remember what VHS stands for? Is it video home system? Video home. I think so. I don't remember what it stands for. I know video. I'm trying to think what VCR stands for. Video cassette recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I should look this up sometime. Huh. I just remember always saying those words, but I don't know what they meant. What the acronym Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, growing <laughs> up, it was always just uh, a videotape. <laughs> we didn't <Yeah>. say VHS. <laughs> right. Um, I'm also, I don't know about you, but I'm very much picking up on Xavier wants Moira back thread. Like, I feel like if Sean wasn't there, he would have been like all over her in a heartbeat. But like, for sure, isn't he kind of with Lalandra? Like, fuck Lalandra's drag. <laughs> the same thing though. Like last time he met Moira too, he came to visit. He's like, "Oh, it's you, Sean." I'm like, "I'm in love with Myra." So, I think I think Charles just likes having two women. He likes to have both. He's greedy, a bitch like that. He's like, "This is my Moira girl. She's a little bit more subservient to me, and she like listens to me more." And Laundra's a little crazy, but she's so hot in bed, so I keep her around, too. <laughs> you know what? I feel that, especially right now, because I'm happy where I am, but, like, the sex isn't happy. I need somebody. I need the Laundra. I need to have some, like, awesome sex again. See? See? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel and um, we see fucking Joe is preaching on family values, but like he literally doesn't care about his family. So this is very, this is like the most accurate thing about this whole show is their <laughs> portrayal of a politician. I had a note here. I said, family values, fucking DeSantis. Yes. Okay. That's yes. Who <laughs> That's who this is exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Oh, this next scene, Kevin, this is the, this has some deep cut cameos going on. I'm wondering if you noticed one, because I don't know if I would have noticed it without Eric Lewald's book, but here goes. Okay. Out in the wee fields of Scotland, we see a ship <laughs> captain bringing in groceries. The man walks into an alley where we see a blasty blast thingy, and the captain reemerges with glowing green eyes. He wanders into a local pub. But on the way into the pub, he crosses paths with the sailor. Did you notice this cameo of who the sailor is? <laughs> I noticed the sailor. 
I noticed the random buff guys. I thought they were going to like a gay club, um, <laughs> but I didn't recognize who it would be. <laughs> Don't worry about us, Dingo. We'll make sure we can. Cameo. So the sailor is Namor, and they decided <laughs> to dress him like Popeye as a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's hard to notice like even when i paused it you can see he does have a pointed ear but the pointed ear is kind of in shadow but he does also have the eyebrows of namor so oh, okay oh this was okay. one that was i did one. i did notice those eyebrows i thought they were just a really eyebrowy guy you know yeah <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> Yeah, so this actually was in Eric Lewald's book with the concept art. It pointed out that that was Namor, so that's the only reason why I know this. And I took a picture to post Sexy XE so you can also see it. Lovely. Um, also, in this bar, you've probably noticed there's a bunch of like weird alien-looking creatures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another deep-cut cameo because this is TechNet. <laughs> Don't know that person. A lot of people don't. It's actually, it's a group of inner uh, multiversal kind of um, bounty hunters. And their first appearance was in Captain Britain, volume two, number three in 1985. But then when Captain Britain became more of a part of the X-Men and he started showing up in um, Excalibur with uh, Rachel Summers and Shadowcat, they actually run across TechNet a lot. So this was more of like an Excalibur group of people hmm. i did notice at the it's end just, of the scene that oh go ahead there's more to say give more cameos i was just gonna say there's no reason in like getting into the names because there's so many of them and they're really not well known but what were you saying yeah <laughs> none none whatever names anyway um i was just gonna say there's a line at the end of the scene that made me laugh because it's like it's the background track again but i hear like oh pass me another <laughs> oh that's like weird it was so random it was some of the most whitest voice you've heard too pass me another <laughs> pass me another <laughs> i love it so that was funny. yeah back on your island xavier and moira are still talking <laughs> she explains that kevin has never been outside and doesn't know the world around him he communicates through his telepathy. Oh, yeah, because to even make him more powerful, he's a telepath. Great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Moira warns Xavier against invading Kevin's mind, but he does it anyway. Back at the pub, Kevin ditches the sailor meat suit, and everyone in the bar runs from him. Wah! Kevin gets angry and casts Professor X out. Get out of my head! <laughs> <laughs> and now very angry Kevin gets mad and jumps onto a nearby ship. He inhabits an unsuspecting man in a kilt. Oh, <laughs> nice dress. <laughs> Let me look underneath the kilt. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, the carpet <laughs> does match the drapes. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I put this note here. I'll read it for you. <laughs> Mere Island is the place to party, apparently, between TechNet and all these people in tight neon clothes. Yes, mama! <laughs> so I noticed it, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was very much, at least a queer-friendly club, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see. Back at Mere Island, Moira nurses a passed-out Sean to health. 
Just then, Beast reports into Xavier that an unconscious man was found in a similar state to Banshee. This is a run-on sentence. They think it was Kevin who attacked him. The body was found near the ferry to the mainland. Moira frets that Kevin can get into exponentially more trouble on the mainland full of people. And she's right. There's a lot more to do there. <laughs> is this where Beast says, he's like, they think he's a big evil thing. Is this where he says that? I think so. It would fit here. Because I got, because Wolverine was throwing shade. He's like, he's like, they think he's a big evil thing. And then Wolverine's like, they're probably talking about Beast. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he's right there. <laughs> I know. Wolverine definitely has an attitude. He's a, an 11 in these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kevin makes it to the mainland and ditches the kilt-clad meat suit. He pulls a wall around him and enters a building. He sees a teenage boy being picked on and comes to the rescue. Kevin then enters the... And this was a crazy. He's like, the bullies, he like wrapped him around in the road, turned the road into different blobby things. They put costumes on him, put him the scare, weird random stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he saves the boy and then he enters the teenage boy's body. And the teenager, Ian, is found by his father. It's like, boy, there you are. <laughs> I don't know your name. <laughs> but it's it's so weird because his eyes are glowberg and green. And he's just like, oh, there you are. I don't notice anything different about you whatsoever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I wonder if people can see the green eye burgers or if it's just for us. That's <laughs> true. true. Yeah, then he's like. Come to me, boy. Give me a hug. And then, mm. witnessing the love shared, Kevin is inspired to find his father, my papa. <laughs> Locals see Proteus and attack. He defends himself by wreaking havoc on reality. Oh. oh. This is such, like, a crazy power. And I like the way they animated it. Like, when he grabbed the wall and, like, wrapped it around himself. Like, there's some really cool things going on here. Oh, yeah. Very creative. Mm-hmm. The X-Men are arriving in the Blackbird just in time to catch a Mayday distress call from one of the victims of Proteus's attack. They arrive just in time to find a city full of twisted buildings. Very nightmare before Christmas chic. <laughs> Beast surmises that Proteus must still be there or else the buildings would have reverted to normal. Oh, how interesting, Beast. Yeah. Did you notice that there's some weird, like, Wolverine costume changes in this episode? <laughs> yes. They're random. Yeah, because he, he shows up to the research center in his outfit, and then apparently in between going to the pub and going to the mainland, he gets dressed down into his civvies. So yeah, that's where we are now. He's in his civvies. Bar hopping clothes, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's I'm a why cowboy. All right, eleven. On the mainland, Proteus continues his rampage. He goes into a home with a TV on and wanders on his father's. Oh, wonders on his father's whereabouts. At the same time, Beast picks up Moira and Charles in the Blackbird. 
Xavier decides to try to, to connect with Kevin again. But Kevin's full attention is on the TV in front of him, showing Joe McTaggart. Kevin argues he ain't hurt no one. They trying to hurt him. He phases through space to scare Xavier in the Blackbird. Beast calls everyone's attention to the city, reorienting itself, and they land. So yeah, this was another kind of um, confusing moment. Like, I guess in the writing, like why did why didn't we just take Moira and Xavier with us to begin with, rather than yeah. having to go all the way back and pick them up and go all the way back? So interesting. Yeah, though. a weird tangent. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the city inhabitants start coming out in fear. Kevin inhabits the body of a Freddie Mercury impersonator and is fascinated by Xavier's chair. Did you notice this guy with the little mustache? And he looked like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to touch it, but Roe grabs his hand. This prompts Proteus to throw a tantrum, morphing the city into chaos. Kevin takes this as an Kevin takes this as an opportunity to escape. He slides out of Fody Mercury and landslides away. Wolverine helps Rogue up. Rogue tells them Kevin is searching for someone. Wolverine tells everyone to follow Kevin in the Blackbird while he tracks him on foot. Okay, 13. The Blackbird screams through the air as they race to catch up to Kevin. Beast shows everyone that Kevin appears to be heading towards Edinburgh. Moira takes an opportunity to slip away and warn Joe that Kevin is coming. Oh, I like that Kevin is coming. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, of course <laughs> you would. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every day. Okay. Joe is mad <laughs> that this is all happening just before the election. <laughs> I'm a politician. <laughs> this will ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> Mora begs Joe to talk to Kevin. He says he will, but after the election. <laughs> Ew. What on earth? <laughs> yeah, things are heating up, and, like, this is very politician-y. Like, throw it all under the rug until I get elected, then who cares? Who cares? I can yep. do what I want. <laughs> yep. Did you know I've been to Edinburgh? Oh, Look at you. I, I really liked it there. We went on a six-hour ghost hunt there from Ooh. midnight until 6 a.m. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. All right. So, Kevin, did you notice the 90s moment here? 90s moment. Tell me. You got mail. 90s moment. 90s moment they're using wired like landline phones like i don't remember the last time i've used one of those <laughs> yeah i have to stand by the wall that's plugged into so they don't have to you know, can't move very far although the ones with the curls you could like walk across the room and have it like stretch and like oh but no go too far or you'll just choke yourself but it's fine <laughs> Yeah. I remember back in the day, like my friend Peter and my friend Rachel would call me during uh, Sailor Moon or Batman on the landline. And so you're right. You'd have to be like pull up a chair or like be close to the phone. 
Yeah. At one time, my cousin Sharisa called me for like two hours. She used to call me for a long time, long periods, and I hated talking on the phone. So I'd have to like lay on the ground by the phone or <laughs> sit by the wall. Yeah. <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Kids today. All never right. Know. The, they will never know. They have it so easy. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure when they get older and like cell phones are no longer a thing because we all have chips and we all just press like our nipple to call someone, they'll be like, when yeah. I was young, I used to have a hold of phone to my ear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you were young, you didn't get music ju- directly uploaded to your brain. Oh, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's very true. We're going to turn into um, ready player one where everything's like right there for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. The X-Men search the valley for Kevin. Xavier demands answers from Moira. She's still playing dumb. Just then, the ground shakes. It's Kevin! Xavier (laughs) calls everyone back to the Blackbird. Moira doesn't listen. She runs to confront Proteus. Xavier joins her. He gets Kevin to admit he's looking for his father. Moira reveals Kevin is her son. (laughs) Xavier is shocked. They go into a deep convo as Kevin is waiting to fight. This was like, they were having a really serious conversation. Yeah. And Kevin was just sitting there like, hey guys, I need to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the X-Men try to talk to Kevin as he's leaving, but he gets mad and engages in battle. <laughs> and then we see... Wolverine at some point has changed back into his yellow outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Kevin calls on four mini rogues to fight big rogue. <laughs> I had a reaction to this. I thought of Army of Darkness. Goody, goody, two shoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So that was fun. Um, he turns a giant rock into a Bigfoot, because that happens. And then he, he traps Moira in a quicksand and turns Xavier's chair into ketchup. Ketchup <laughs> or catsup? Ket- <laughs> um, <laughs> Xavier is able to save Moira as the X-Men fight Kevin and his machinations. Kevin turns wolvie, a gobbledygook. And, okay, this reminded me of The Craft when uh, Nancy was like, ah, and her fingers turned to snakes. She was like, ah! Oh, That's yeah. That's what this reminded me of. So I was having lots of weird movie flashbacks in this scene. Wow. <laughs> um, really cult kind of classics over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it leaves wolvie in a crying mess. Kevin escapes and vows to find his father. To be continued. So what were your thoughts on Wolverine crying? What did that invoke in you? I was I was very shook a little bit. I'm like, this is unnatural. Like I didn't I don't know. Like I didn't think he would be broken this easy, but maybe he's never hallucinated this much before. Or you know, had things this crazy happen to him. So yeah, for me, it was similar in that um, this isn't something we've ever seen from Wolverine, so it shook me, too. I'm like, wow, this is a really, like, evil villain who's able to bring Wolverine to his knees. And, like, 
he literally tore Wolverine apart and put him back together. So yeah. it was crazy. I thought this was smart of them to do. Mm-hmm. But you know what else was smart of them to do? What? Make a you look familiar moment. <laughs> <laughs> so there's how he looks in the show. And there's how he looks in the comics. That's a direct pull from the comic. So I'll make sure to post that so everybody could see how exact this moment was to the comic. See? Yeah, it's really cool. It's very rewarding. (laughs) All right, cool. So that brings us through our first episode of Proteus. So some of the things that I wanted to pull out before we get to our wrap-up besides my penis. Um, (laughs) We also start seeing in this comic, uh, number 125, this was the beginning of Mastermind uh, taking over Gene's mind. And it's really interesting in the way they start doing it because when Gene gets on the plane to fly to Muir Island, there's a priest, and that priest is Mastermind. And then when she gets there, she's on a beach and like this really hot guy comes out of the water in a Speedo. And that's also Mastermind. So he's like trying different personas to chip away at her and like try to figure out how to get into her psyche. So it wasn't it was more of a process than we saw in the show. It's so crazy because all this stuff happened so earlier, so much earlier, it seems, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of planning, I feel, in some of these early comics. Like, uh, with I've talked about it on the show, too, but with Mr. Sinister, like, he showed up as, like, a shadow. Like, I want to say maybe 10 to 20 comics before he actually made his full appearance. So there's a lot of that kind of teasing of things yeah. going on at this time. Wow. Um, also, Rogue wasn't on the team yet. This was more of like the Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm era. And in this comic, uh, Havoc and Polaris are still kind of active with the team. So I thought it was interesting because Polaris is actually the one who first witnesses Proteus going crazy. So that moment we had with Moira on the phone calling over to um, yeah. the X-Men, that was Lorna who did that, Polaris. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I've said this before, but I just really love the way, even though it's different, like we can still pick apart. Oh, you pulled it from here. Like it makes sense. You adapted it in a way that still respects the original material. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. All right, Kevin. So tell us your rating of the episode. I like it a lot. But I think I'm going to do... An extreme minus. <laughs> if that's a thing, I don't know. I'm making it up. Uh, <laughs> because I feel like there's lots of good things and lots of good setup, but a lot of really trivial random stuff. And I go, I know, I know it was two parter, so I think that's probably why I saved my real extreme for the two parter. Spoiler. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna do extreme minus for this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say expected for the same reason. Like it's got good action, it's got good story, but the story could have been cleaned up a little bit. But um it's still a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you say is the MXP? I put Moira. 
because she's the mm-hmm. one who's actively going to make sure. Sh- I mean, sure, she was responsible for keeping him cooped up and everything, but she's also very responsible, very responsible in getting him proactive and getting him back and trying to calm him down and really caring for him. She wants to make sure he doesn't get hurt and that he doesn't hurt people. And she's really trying to keep that balance. And I don't know, I think she's very on it, at least trying to be. Yeah, I mean, this one's hard because I feel like nobody really stands out. But I would (laughs) say Moira is like my pick as well for that same reason. She knows who to go to. She knows who can help her. So she did the best she could with the situation that she kind of had a hand in creating though. So I do kind of judge her for how she handled this, creating the situation. But at the same time, she didn't just be like, Oh, that's it. I'm going to sit back and let him do whatever. She was still trying to make amends for it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, What would you say is the X factor? I put troubled teen with powers. Anyone (laughs) that's very, (laughs) that's what X-Men are. I mean, really? (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. X-Men is very about society turning mutants into the evil that they become because it's not accepting them. So because they're not being accepted, they have no choice but to lash out. So this is a very X-Men idea. Mm -hmm. Well, for this week's Previously On, I want to know, is Proteus more dangerous if he is Xavier and Moira's son? What are your thoughts? As opposed to like what he is in the show, yeah. Um, well, it's, it's weird because I always assumed he was Xavier's son. Even when even though I watched these, I remembered it as that, and I'm like, oh, it's not that, and it, it just feels like his son already. And spoiler, in the next episode, <laughs> they talk about like <laughs> Moira always wished it was you, and I'm like I must have always wished it too because that's what I think. Um, <laughs> So I don't, I can't imagine. I mean, logically, he would be more powerful than, than he is, but I fic- just picture the way he is to be Xavier and Moira together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to refrain from answering because I'll tease this for next episode. What if I told you there is a multiverse where oh. he is <laughs> Xavier okay. and Moira's son? Okay. So that may be why some of us get it confused because I always remembered him being their son in these episodes yeah. too, even though he's not. So it is addressed in one multiverse. I'm looking forward to talking about it, but much like the Phoenix episodes, I'm trying not to just like vomit stuff everywhere, <laughs> trying yeah, to like right. <laughs> link it together. So we'll get there right. next week. That'll be okay. the tease. Tease. <laughs> All right, so uh, next week we'll be back with uh, Proteus Part 2. Until then, where can the people find you? Yeah, cool. You can find me at my personal Instagram page, kgz87. Or follow Sean and I on the other podcast, Words of the Witches. We just had a wonderful, ooh, uh, Michael Bailey Smith episode um, interview, which if you know the show, he played Balthazar. Um, very fun, very cool, very neat. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually just came out today. So yeah. if you want to see us have a good time with the demon, that's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, and you can find me on Marvelous Galaxy of Disney with your Star Wars Marvel Disney news. And you can find our 100th uh, last episode of Once Upon a Cult, which came out this week also, where we sit around and talk about the whole show. And where are these horrible, shitty leaders now? <laughs> I'm about halfway through it, so. What a maze. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Sexy Xies, for listening, and we will be back next week with you with another fun-filled Sean and Kevin episode. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.